Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now here's your host. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day. And as always, we have a great episode with a great guest as I sit down with Brett McCracken this week. Brett serves as a pastor and elder at Southland, a church community in Southern California. Brett is a graduate of Wheaton College and UCLA, where he earned his master's degree in cinema and media studies, and he is currently working on his master's in theology at Talbot. As a journalist, Brett has written for a variety of publications, including the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, CNN.com, Christianity Today, and churchleaders.com, and he also serves as a senior editor for the Gospel Coalition. He's the author of several books, including his latest, which is entitled, Uncomfortable, the Awkward and Essential Challenge of Christian Community. On this week's episode, Brett and I talk about how we, as pastors and ministry leaders, can address the high degree of consumerism we face in our churches. We discuss why being uncomfortable is not only okay, but is absolutely vital to our growth as disciples of Jesus. We also talk about how churches can both challenge and welcome people at the same time. There's some great practical insights here, so I invite you to join me in my conversation with Brett McCracken. Brett, thank you for joining us here on the Church Leaders Podcast. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. I, I want to jump right into a statement that you make in your latest book entitled Uncomfortable, and you write the following, what we think we want from a church is almost never what we need. Brett, can you share with us why you think that's the case? <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that statement is kind of getting at the consumer orientation that we often bring to church in terms of thinking through, what do I want from a church? That's 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 the question that we, it's the lens, I think, that we look at everything in through that lens in a consumer society. Like, what am I going to get out of it? How is this going to fit me and in, in where, where I'm at and who I am and my tastes and preferences? And yet I think if we come to church with that question, if that's our primary orientation, what we want, what we want to get out of a church, um, I think we're always going to um, be left wanting. We're always going to be, that search is always going to continue because ultimately it isn't what, what we, about what we want. It's about what is the church, what, what is it about the church that we need that, that grows us, that stretches us. Um, and I think that that is often a, a different um, type of question, a different type of approach than how we often approach church, thinking through, well, here's my list, here's my laundry list of preferences and, and, and desires and things that I would like from a church when we're, when we're doing the quote-unquote church shopping thing. That's how we approach it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the better approach and the better question is, what, what, do, what does every Christian need? the church to be and what is the church for ultimately um, regardless of kind of what where i'm at and what my particular tastes and preferences are yeah now now that makes sense um but as, but as i think through that and, and as you're explaining um i can't help but think that that probably makes more sense in, in some ways to people who are somewhat familiar with church um, mm-hmm. You know, because you talk mm-hmm. about church shopping, so you know, maybe mm-hmm. move to a new community and, and you know looking for a new church. But what about people who you know haven't been a part of a church and right. are looking for a church? You know, how how does that relate to them, or or what do we need to think through in in regard to them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the logic of it still applies for 
a seeker or someone who's new to Christianity, you know, ultimately, if if we want Christianity to mostly be in our image um, in terms of kind of fitting itself around me and what I need, like, to me, that's not a very solid, durable, transcendent faith. That's mm-hmm. most mostly just kind of a projection of myself. And so if I'm an unbeliever, if I'm just looking, you know, visiting a church, I want to join something that's bigger than me, that's beyond me, that that kind of is true for everyone and kind of transcends the the various subjective kind of differences that everyone brings to the table. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, it isn't important for a church to be welcoming to everyone and to have this kind of posture of hospitality and openness to everyone wherever they're at. Um, but if I'm a new believer, like, I think it's it's ultimately more compelling to me that Christianity transcends, you know, the the trends of culture, the the zeitgeist, the the time, the timelessness of it um, is is what's ultimately going to change my life. That's the the transformative power of the gospel um, has has been the same transformative power, you know, for two thousand years of Christian history. And so um, it isn't. So again, the the less important question is me specifically and what my particular place or situation is, as much as what does the gospel of Jesus offer and what has it always offered? And, and, and so that's what we need to cling to and look for in terms of a church. You know, as a pastor, I've always felt that if people are not wrestling with some question from what they've experienced during a worship gathering, then our ministry team and I probably have not done our job very well, right? Cause, <laughs> because the truth of the gospel of Jesus, I mean, the message of the kingdom is uncomfortable. It's, it's countercultural, right? right? Right. Um, but Brett, I think here is is one of the big questions, and, and that is, and you touch on it just a bit there, but how can we as pastors and ministry leaders embrace this discomfort of the gospel, but also at the same time welcome people into our churches? Yeah, I mean, that's a really practical and good question because I don't think that the approach we should have as pastors, as churches, is to kind of frame Christianity as like this just horrible, terrible, no good, you know, right, right. Just uncomfortable, like from top to bottom thing. Like, so we don't want to like lead with, you know, this, this whole idea that Christianity is going to just be a total uh, 180 reversal from everything good in your life. Um, it's going to go away. Like, that's not true. Um, what I'm saying in the book and what I think we need to kind of where we need to course correct a little bit in particularly in the American church context is just, we can't be afraid of being honest about the costliness of Christianity. We don't want to hide that or downplay that. I think too often in, in kind of the seeker sensitive approach to Christianity, we, we, we celebrate and we focus on like the, the joy and the, and the life and the, um, the, the happiness and it, it, it feels wonderful and it is seeker friendly because it's just, it's a very affirming thing. And that is true. Like those aspects of Christianity are true and we need to have those there. But I think if we are not being honest about the fact that actually Christianity is uncomfortable and it, it necessarily is uncomfortable in certain respects. And Jesus, you know, died on a, a, a cross and it was a brutal death and he, he challenged his followers to pick up their own crosses and self-denial and sacrifice 
and giving up your dreams for the sake of the gospel, like that's part of what we're signing up for here with Christianity. And so I'm just saying we can't hide that. We can't kind of, you know, conveniently put that aside and, 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 and try to bring the crowds into our churches under the auspices that this is only going to be a, a comfortable kind of affirming your best life now type of thing. That's just disingenuous. And that's ultimately not doing anyone any good because if you bring someone in under those pretenses, they're ultimately not going to be changed. They're not, they're not going to be transformed. They're not going to encounter the freedom that comes from repentance and just the freedom that comes from being shaken out of your kind of self-oriented consumerist bubble that we just live in in this society. So I think as pastors, we're doing a, a loving, kind thing to the people in our congregations when we we both celebrate the joy and, and, and the goodness of Christianity and the redemption, but also the, the cost of discipleship and the challenge of being a faithful Christian in today's world. Yeah, that's good because there is that there's that balance. You know, we wanna we wanna project and share and celebrate the hope of Jesus Christ. Um, but then the reminder is that, you know, Jesus Christ, his life led him to a cross, right? And right. to, to a, a, a grisly death. And yet there's resurrection. So there's this, yeah. um, you know, there's that juxtaposition. And yeah. and we want to tell the whole story, right? We, we want people <laughs> to understand the whole story that there is, you know, this idea that following Christ is filled with hope, but it's not necessarily always a safe or comfortable endeavor in our lives, Right. right? Yeah, and I think one thing I would just say, it's important that we do tell the whole story. And for millennials, especially in younger generations, like I think they can see through the um, the church that kind of conveniently focuses on one part of the story or the other, or you know, preaches the Bible in some places but doesn't touch on the, the difficult parts. Like I think younger people really respond favorably to authenticity and just being authentic about, yeah, like there's some, honestly, there's some challenges. There's some difficult scriptural passages. There's some aspects of Christianity that are hard to wrap your mind around. You know, theology isn't always an easy thing to understand. And there's open questions and there's difficult things that we have to wrestle through. And I think I've seen younger people especially really resonate with that. And so um, that's another reason why we should uh, not shy away from both the good kind of hope of Christianity, but also the challenge uh, of it, because I think the that, may, that means we're more authentic and we're more um, relatable, and I think younger people will respond well to that. Excellent. I want to dig a little more into um, discipleship and authenticity in just a moment, but before we jump there, when talking about church, there's something happening um, around this idea of personal preferences, right? I mean, not, not necessarily from a consumerism approach, but the reality is there are a variety of churches across the globe, and they do not all look alike, right? Yeah. And it right. seems that it takes a variety of churches to reach a variety of people. Um, would you agree with that? And how does that, mm -hmm. you know, how, how do we wrestle through that, the different expressions mm -hmm. of the local church, but at the same time um, ensure that we're not, you know, um, falling prey to this idea of just keeping things comfortable to mm -hmm. meet people and their preferences. 
Yeah, I mean, that, obviously it's true that there are many, many different expressions of Christianity, and, you know, there's not a ton in the Bible about the specific, you know, types of music and types of worship and liturgy that, you know, a church should have. So there's freedom in, in how we express that. Um, I think the challenge is um, that we don't want to cater to specific demographics and audiences so that by virtue of doing that, we end up having homogenous communities because that's what naturally happens. Like if we, if we design a church around, you know, let's just say college age or like millennial hipsters, like that, that's going to inform the type of music and the type of coffee and the type of preaching and all the different choices. And that's great for that particular audience. But is that really what Jesus wants for the church? Like churches that are full of one particular type of person. I don't read the New Testament. I don't read scripture and see that. I, I see the vision for the church as being one of um, kind of the messiness of a diversity of people endeavoring together in spite of their different backgrounds, in spite of their different preferences, to have unity and to pursue, you know, holiness together and, and righteousness and um, worship side by side together. So, yes, I think there's a lot of freedom to express church in different ways. I would just caution against how that can often lead to um, we end up having communities of homogenous people where we look around ourselves, we look around at the people around us, and it just, we're, we're all pretty much the same, the same ethnicity, the same cultural background, the same class, and I think that that's not necessarily a great thing, and so part of why I wrote Uncomfortable is just kind of challenge us to go beyond the the easy kind of road or mm -hmm. approach, which is which tends to create homogenous church communities and really lean into, well, how can I give up my desires about the music or my desires about the the style of this or that? And actually, for the sake of unity amidst diversity, you know, how can I make that sacrifice and, and lean into the uncomfortable challenge of that? That's good. That's good, Brett. Now, in your book, you write about both uncomfortable faith and uncomfortable church. You know, you kind of split the book up and, you know, digging into each of those. It seems like the more comfortable we make the church experience, sort of the safer we make discipleship. And in fact, we can make discipleship so safe, so easy, so comfortable that you know, we could argue that it's really no longer discipleship, right? So what relationships have you observed between the ways that we lead church and the types of disciples that are being mm. made in our churches, mm -hmm. right? I think it's true that we, we kind of set the tone in our church in terms of the level of comfort that we create um, in the community. And if if our, our primary value is comfort, then um, you know, we don't want to make people too uncomfortable with the sermons we preach. We don't want to make the music too, you know, outside of the box for what our audience typically likes. You know, if that's kind of the, the tenor of our church, then naturally discipleship is, is also going to be characterized by, you know, it's just kind of this comfortable, like uh, very um, low cost type of thing. And yeah, so I think that's where it gets really, um, it, it's really unfortunate because discipleship is about growth, right? It's, it's about 
growing to be more like Christ and, and helping each other in community do that. And growth is never uh, comfortable or shouldn't be. You know, we grow most in anything in life when we're outside of our comfort zone. Right. What, whether that's like a sport, an athletic skill we're trying to develop. Like you don't grow by being comfortable. You grow by going to the gym and like pushing yourself. And that's never easy, comfortable. And that principle is true for our spiritual growth and, and discipleship. And so I think that it's not conducive to discipleship to have this high value of comfort. <laughs> um, I think we need to lean into the, the fact that if we are to grow in our communities, in our small groups, in our Bible studies, whatever the context of discipleship might be, we need to go to those difficult places. We need to challenge each other. We need to be willing to speak truth and love to one another when we see areas of, of each other's lives that need to be called out and, and spoken over. And that's not easy. And, and that is, you know, creates all sorts of discomfort, but you know, no, none of us are ever going to grow if we don't go to those places and if we don't push each other in, in accountability and, and all these things and, and call each other ultimately to holiness, which is not a comfortable thing in today's world and, and calling each other to repentance and confession and all these things. So, yeah, I, I think that's a long answer to a simple question, which is, you know, comfort is not conducive to healthy discipleship. Right, right. Solid. Um, Brett, we could spend hours working through many of the themes that you address in your book. Uh, but there was one particular that jumped out at me, and I was hoping that we could kind of dig in a bit more into it, and that is uncomfortable holiness. What, yeah. what really struck me was how you contrasted what you refer to as mere authenticity with the pursuit of holiness. Can, yeah. can you talk with us about what you mean by kind of settling for mere authenticity as it relates to this ongoing you know, pursuit of holiness? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I think authenticity is obviously quite the buzzword in our world today, and um, and there's there's positive things about it, of course. But what I've seen is that when we talk about authenticity in our culture, it's basically what we're saying is brokenness. Like to be authentic is to be broken. Like the more you are honest and just vulnerable with your 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 junk, your brokenness, just the mess of your life, like that is kind of the, um, the, the currency of our culture. It, it's the currency of solidarity. We're all broken. We're all authentic. And let's just be broken together and, and kind of pat each other on the back for that. And I've seen, it, I've seen that mentality even in the church, like in, in our small groups when we kind of go around and share what's going on in our lives. So often we never get past the point of brokenness. We like we just share you know, how each of us is currently broken and struggling and, and, and we, we kind of applaud that as like, oh, we're being vulnerable, we're being authentic. And there's a good thing about all that. Like we do need to be vulnerable and honest and we need, we need to confess to one another, um, the stuff that's going on in our lives. But for Christians, it can't stop there. And that's, that's what I talk about in this book and the holiness chapter is for Christians, holiness is not just kind of being honest about where you are and, and, and the, the honesty about brokenness. And, and, and by the way, brokenness is often just another word to say sin, but we don't call it sin. And that's interesting. Like it's kind of a softer way to talk about our sin. So 
as Christians, we need to be as compelled by growth and by moving out, out of our brokenness and towards wholeness um, and, and away from our sin and towards holiness. We need to be more compelled by that than just sticking, staying where we're at. And yet authenticity kind of sanctifies, it kind of gives us a, a, a medal, a badge of honor for just being kind of broken and where we are. And I just think it's so, um, it's so unhealthy for us as Christians to be, to have that mentality. We need to be moving forward in the direction of Christ-likeness. Um, and, and one thing that I say in the book is, you know, Jesus is the most authentic person who's ever lived. Like he is the, the true human. He is what Adam and Eve were meant to be, but failed to be. And because of the fall, because of sin, and so our sinful state is not the way we were meant to be. It's, it's an inauthentic human state. So sin and brokenness, we've equated that with authenticity, but that, that's a false equation because, you know, our brokenness and sin is actually in, inauthentic to who we were created to be. Jesus is the picture. He's the vision of authentic human living. And so if we, if we truly care about being authentic, then we, we care about holiness. We care about moving in the direction of Christ-likeness. And that's a, a tough thing. That's an uncomfortable thing, again, because growth and, and, and sanctification is never an easy process. It's going to be messy. It's going to stretch us. But I think that we, as Christians, we need to be, we need to be about that. We need to be compelled by that. And we, we can't just be satisfied to be kind of in our authentic brokenness. Mm, that's good. That's, that's fascinating. In a, a, a unique way, in a new way for for me to kind of look at that idea of authenticity. I, I love that you brought mm-hmm. that out, and mm-hmm. and like I said, it was something that really stuck out to me. So, let's dive down and get really, really practical here. So, as you know, our our listeners here at Church Leaders Podcast, you know, primarily pastors and ministry leaders. So, let's talk about some kind of you know um, nuts and bolts in regard mm-hmm. to this this idea of of being uncomfortable and and accepting that idea of, of being uncomfortable mm-hmm. within the church. So you are on the pastoral team at a local church in Southern California. Can mm-hmm. you share with us some practical examples of how at the local church level you are embracing kind of the awkward world of uncomfortable community? Yeah, and, and, and the, the book actually was kind of inspired by my own journey, um, just in this church, um, and my, my own ways that I've had to stretch myself out of my comfort zone. For example, um, the church that I'm now a pastor, um, in it's a more charismatic church than I've ever gone to. Like I grew up in a very kind of Baptist, like word oriented church and didn't really, you didn't really see anyone ever raising their hands in worship, for example. Um, and yet the current church I go to is, um, is a little more charismatic and like everyone raises their hands and the worship is very loud and just lively. And at first that was super hard for me. And it was, it was almost, you know, there were times where I was like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I just want to go to a church where I can feel more at home, which is more similar to my background. And yet I, I stuck around and I actually challenged myself to um, participate in the ways that were super uncomfortable to me at first. And, and I, I eventually saw so much life and growth in doing that. And that's what inspired me to want to write this book to challenge all Christians to find ways in their particular church context to embrace the less comfortable path. 
So anyway, um, to get back to your question, though, I think one of the practical things that churches can do is just identify, like, what are the areas of what are the areas of biblical Christianity that we are currently avoiding talking about or emphasizing because we're afraid of making people uncomfortable? That may be um, certain topics that you know we were afraid to preach about or speak about. And like, I don't know, sexuality is a big one that a lot of pastors are afraid to go there. Um, money, tithing, there's a whole range of, of topics. Um, and I would just start by identifying that and, and find ways like, okay, how can we like put aside our fear about this being uncomfortable and actually like embrace the challenge of doing this? Um, you know, maybe it's kind of taking an audit of your worship and, you know, asking questions about like, is our worship more driven by the felt needs of our congregation as we perceive, perceive them? Or is it driven by what we believe is the most biblical God honoring, um, worship? And if, if, um, you're not doing that because you feel like it's going to be challenging or uncomfortable for people, like maybe reevaluate that and challenge yourself to, to go there. Um, one of the specific things in my church that we do um, is with prayer. So a lot of people have fear, I think, of like praying out loud. And, you know, I'm an introvert and I don't love praying out loud. So I, I relate to those fears. But we are a praying church and we really emphasize prayer because we think it's very biblical to what the church is meant to do and be when they're together. So a lot of times in the middle of like a church Sunday morning service, we'll have like, we'll ask the congregation to stop and like pray in small groups, like with the, with two or three people around you. And that is a super countercultural thing. Like in Orange County, California, like you don't do that. You don't <laughs> ask, you don't ask strangers to right. like turn around and talk to each other, let alone turn around and pray with each other. And yet I, you know, when we do that, it is super uncomfortable and, you better believe there's some people in the back who are maybe our visitors who are not, you know, wanting to participate and they often don't participate. And we, we, we sometimes give that caveat, like you don't have to do this if you're a first time visitor. Um, but this is just a value for us as a church. We, we want to take time to pray for each other and to pray for specific things. So for example, when the Las Vegas shooting happened or when something like a big, event happens and we, we as a church feel burdened to pray for it, we'll often do it that way where we'll pause in the middle of a service and ask the whole congregation to just pray together. And so that's just one specific example, I think, of something that's really countercultural and challenging and, and it's going to make people uncomfortable, but is a good thing. And, and I think, you know, we think it's a, a biblical thing to, to pray together in community um, even if it's uncomfortable. That's good. So you talked about, um, you know, looking into what it is that you are preaching, um, you know, mm -hmm. what texts, what topics, those types of things, see if you're actually avoiding some things because of the, the comfort level right. or discomfort level of those topics. That's good. And then this idea of actually evaluating, um, you know, your, your worship gathering, you know, the, yeah. the music, the songs, those things that you're doing, and then even your time of prayer. Those are all very practical things. Thank you for that, Brett. Um, yeah. I have another question, um, again, very practical question, as we're thinking about all these pastors listening in. And um, I imagine there, there are some pastors who are right on, on board. They're like, yes, uh, we're, we're 
I, I totally un, uh, see the consumerism that's just you know rampant in the church. I understand that we need to you know declare the um, the truth of the gospel and the truth of, of what the kingdom of God is all about and balance the hope, but also with, with this idea that's not necessarily always comfortable. But what about that pastor who, who feels that and senses that within himself or herself, and they, they're meeting with their elders or their church board or their ministry leaders, and, and they're getting pushback. You know, the, the, the leaders are saying things like, we can't make people too uncomfortable. People in our community, you know, they won't accept that. They, they won't even show up. Or if they do show up, they're not going to stick around. You know, all those, all those kind of arguments against that, which, you know, there's a lot of the seeker sensitivity, you know, historically within the church over the last couple of decades. So the, and a lot of people, you know, gravitate towards that because, you know, it seems to be something that, that can connect with people and, and open the doors for people. So what would you say to a pastor who's, you know, wrestling through that with some of their mm-hmm. ministry leaders or their church board? Um, mm-hmm. What advice could you give them to kind of help them navigate that? Yeah, I mean, that's a, a real hard um, situation because I think a lot of times, um, you know, it is true that if we embrace the uncomfortable aspects of Christianity, it might, in the short term, it might cost us some, um, you know, some members of our congregation might leave and you might, you might see a dip in attendance or, you know, there, 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 there's consequences like that. And so you might have a lot of pushback from members of the staff, as you say, or other pastors of the church who, who see that as a red, um, a red flag and, and, and feel like that isn't a good thing to do. But I would just, I would challenge, um, the, the pastor to always go back to the Bible and always, um, always challenge your fellow pastors and your staff to not think first and foremost about the pragmatic like numbers and, you know, the feedback that we're getting, the angry comments about people who don't like the new direction of the music or, you know, are uncomfortable with the, the, the sermon topics that we're starting to hear on Sundays. Like, you need to pay attention more to what scripture says in terms of like, what are the priorities in terms of the Bible's vision of church. Um, and ultimately we need to be faithful to that. And we need to understand that that might not always be conducive to everyone being happy and, and kind of the, um, the crowds, you know, flocking in the doors, like it, it will be costly. And so being willing to count the cost, but also embrace the biblical vision of, of what you, um, what you are envisioning for the church. Um, having said that, I think it's important to just um, have forbear- forbearance and patience and listen to one another, um, you know, listen to the concerns that people have, um, but but ultimately just kind of push everyone together back to the Bible and really make that biblical case that Jesus doesn't, he doesn't value our comfort as the number one value. Like he values our transformation. He values our holiness. He values our witness in the world. You know, how are, how are we salt and light how are we that city on a hill and and, and these are the things that that jesus values and the, our comfort is is like way 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 down the list of things that i think jesus cares about and, and you know if you if you actually look at the bible and look at what he says like there's so many different things that he says to people to his disciples that are directly challenging their preferences for comfort you know whether it be the um, the Jews and Gentiles, you know, feeling like 
they'd prefer, it would be more comfortable if we could just kind of have our identities separate. Like, no, like the New Testament repeatedly says, no, you can't take that more comfortable road. You have to pursue unity. Like there's neither Jew nor Greek, you know, male or female, you're all one in, in Christ Jesus. So, you know, if you read Paul's letters, like he is, he never gives this, this easy option of like, you know, you know, choose a homogenous church community because I know that's more comfortable for you. Like to the Corinthians, to uh, the Romans, to all these different churches, he, he talks about the, um, the essential challenge of one community in Christ, even in spite of our differences, even in spite of our different preferences. So I would just say, go back to the Bible, like read the Bible through the lens of the uncomfortable things that it calls us to and, and let that kind of frame the discussions and the pushback that you might get in your churches. That's good, brother. Brett, is there anything that maybe we haven't touched upon that you would like to share with with pastors and ministry leaders um, before we close our time today um, in regard to this idea of, of our willingness to be uncomfortable? Um, you know, I would just encourage pastors to, um, again, to not see the, the, the discomfort and the challenge and the cost of following Jesus as a liability or as something that needs to be downplayed or kind of hidden under the rug, so to speak. I would instead challenge pastors to see this as, um, see this as an asset, as an opportunity, ultimately see it as uh, a truer, purer form of Christianity when we're just when we're so locked into Jesus and locked into the cross as a paradigm for understanding the whole Christian life, that it's just totally natural and beautiful that we are calling people to um, costly, uncomfortable things. Uh, ultimately, I think in America, in, in Western Europe, in America, that you know, where the church is kind of in this precarious state where Christianity is no longer it's no longer a cultural thing necessarily. It's not, it's not something that you just do. Like it's becoming a deliberate choice. Like if you are going to be a Christian in America today, you, you are doing it because you're choosing something. Um, there's no consequences for not choosing it. You're, there's no stigma. There's no, you're not losing anything. If anything, we're getting to a place in culture where you, you are losing something if you choose to faithfully follow Christ and invest in a, in a church. And so we just need to be honest about that and real about that and, and kind of put away these pretenses that, you know, to be a Christian in today's world is somehow just like a normal, easy cultural thing. Like, no, like (laughs) the new Testament, like Paul, you know, is always using these, this language of, your, your exiles, your aliens, you know, first Peter uses this in, in first Peter, your sojourners, your aliens, you are a set apart people. Um, and so we just need to own that, I think. And I would just challenge pastors to really own the weirdness, the strangeness of Christianity, like see that as an opportunity and not a liability. And I think I, my gut tells me that people are going to respond well to that again, because it feels it feels more authentic. It feels like, oh, this is a Christianity that's not hiding anything, that's not selling me a bill of goods. It's just straightforward about here's the cost, and yet here's the joy. You know, here's the discomfort, and yet here's the eternal comfort that that Christ promises us. Ultimately, Christianity is about, it is about 
comfort, but in a, a bigger picture sense than the now. Like we are promised a eternal inheritance in the presence of God, and that is the most comfortable thought we could give anyone. And yet that doesn't mean that the here and now in our day-to-day lives, it doesn't mean that's going to be comfortable. And in fact, it'll often be the opposite. Um, but when you have that big picture view of who we are in Christ, what our destiny is, what our calling is, it makes the discomfort tolerable and it makes it easier to endure. Brett, if someone um, is listening and they want to learn more about your book, Uncomfortable, The Awkward and Essential Challenge of Christian Community, or they want to maybe connect with you, uh, what's what's the best way for them to, to learn more or connect with you? Um, so I have a website, brettmccracken.com, which is kind of my blog, and you can learn more about the book there. Um, follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter and Facebook and all those places. And um, yeah, you can find the book anywhere you, you normally would buy books. Um, it's a Crossway book. Crossway published it. So um, yeah, I, I would encourage pastors like read it, read it in groups. I've, I've heard from some church staffs that are reading the book together and are finding it really fruitful and productive to kind of all kind of be on the same page of let's embrace the challenge of uncomfortable church, even though it's going to be hard. So yeah, I would encourage group discussion, staff, church staff discussion about it. That's kind of one of the groups that I, I wrote the book for. Awesome, Brett. Well, I just want to thank you so much for being with us here on the Church Leaders Podcast. We really appreciate uh, all of your insights, and, and I really enjoyed this discussion and uh, encouraged by this new book, Uncomfortable, and, and what it means and can mean for our churches. So thank you so much, brother. Yeah, thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance, and if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the FaithPlay app. It's available for both Apple and Android, and so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well, and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website, churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.